Spotlight with Sarah Hendy. Brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. Fast am I and welcome to the 2020 Spotlight Review of the Year. Over the next hour, I'll be looking back at some of my highlights from this very strange year where creativity really did help us through some very difficult times. The whole programme will be available as a podcast just after the programme finishes. So if you miss anything or would like to download and keep any of these lovely interviews, just head to the Manx Radio website. We begin the year with a beautiful recording of Jackie Morrie Grace, writer and poetry performer, who shared her poem ta ta Taboo with us in January. Silence, old raven, I'll hear no more of your throbbing dark wings of your tatabuko. And I'll stroke your curious head as it cocks to one side, nor tap your tip-tappity claw, nor steal a peek inside your hypnotic-hued eyes. Be shushed, sweet raven. Your words are but empty shells on the shingle. You have no pearls of wisdom to goad my temptation or to test my good reason. Keep your beak for the rats. You're too weak for large prey. You're tataboo, raven. Farewell and good day. Steady there, raven. You weather the storms and you circle the skies. But let it be known. If you must feast on feast stolen, then I, for one, will not be your carrion. Being as I am a feast that is also forbidden. Pray silence, my raven. Your tataboo's deafening. You're boring me, raven. It swoops on my back. Cause ta 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 boo ta boo ta boo in my ear and spits its hackety 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 cat on my cheek. Oh shoo raven shoo, I will scavenge your tongue. I'll let it be known to each and all and everyone who might lend an ear to the cat score of your song that it's a lie of temptation from the unkindness of the raven, you trickster. My raven, but no croak will lay me down on heath soft as butter. Nor rope me up like the yielding egg that you greedily pecked to the drips on the tip of your monstrous beak and no more is left say the notch oh, on your wing and the saliva that meanders down a tataboo chin. Yes, tataboo raven, tataboo core. Your talons are fierce, but you're the hunter no more. I'm tataboo raven. Your sharp mouth is mine. A moment of thrill in my tataboo, tataboo valleys of time. Tataboo raven, be beat to my drum. I will feed till I split with cetacean. I will gorge myself drunk. Tataboo raven, ta-ta-taboo. Such a sweet feast and so forbidden. Let me gobble up you. At the beginning of February, we spoke to Uphill and Still, who were visiting the island to perform a handful of shows. And John of the band kindly called us from outside his hotel in London shortly before they flew over to join us here on the island. He told me the lovely story of how he and bandmate Maddie first met. I was travelling in New Zealand. I went with um, two other friends. So we went to New Zealand with this crazy idea to cycle. We got some bicycles and we just cycled as far as we could. And there was kind of a fork in the road at one point of we can either take one way or we can go stay at this sort of free campsite for the night. And we were pretty tired. So we ended up going to this campsite and we went there for the night and I think we stayed there for two weeks. And it ended up being this really sort of magical kind of amalgamation of travelers and locals and just in this beautiful place as well. And we were playing music and Maddie came up and said, oh, I play guitar. And then we all started jamming and we ended up that we were going kind of in the same direction. We were headed towards a music festival at the time. And so was she. And we said, well, why don't you come traveling with us? So... Her being as crazy as she is as well, hopped and somehow found a bicycle, hopped on it, and we decided to all cycle through the mountains together. And, you know, eventually we ran out of money and figuring we're musicians, we decided to use what, <laughs> the only thing that we know how to do, or at least what we know how to do best, and sort of just play music for money outside grocery stores. And it started out very, very kind of just for a bit of fun as well as the idea of you know there's no better feeling really than playing music for money in a hat and then turning around and walking into the grocery store and immediately changing it into like bread and your lunch for the day yeah it didn't really end from there <laughs> she spent two years in canada and um yeah we did uh, a full we went from the east coast of canada across to the west and spent two years basically just kind of going back and forth up to the Yukon and back down to Ontario. 
Gosh, what a gorgeous story. Thank you for sharing that with us. And um, <laughs> it's uh, it, it's just occurred to me that although you're Canadian and I know you're accustomed to this weather, you're outside. You know, it's actually beautiful though right now. I'm happy it? to be outside. <laughs> I'm not licensed in anything special. Unfortunately, I sense a downfall in the mental structural nuisance. No benefits or dental. I'm broke. And I'm not versed in anything fancy Every gold coin, a small burst in competency Coppers in a coin purse shouldn't rob your sense need Or hope No, I'm not straining just to hear myself speak I'm not complaining about the fact that the roof leaks If my friend ran on water, I'd stay by the sea But it won't Somewhere between conservative and liberal So long as I've got bread or a peanut butter dinner roll I'll float And I'm not self-taught, I've got a million teachers And this home rock's got my guitar and my t-shirt I'll happily change your coffee for my expertise, I'll have you know Oh, there's no running from this competition Between borderline breakdowns Lost in transmission There's no fine print Between stupid decisions But don't you choke now So follow your own And keep your head down low Your mind shallow And you might just move along Take a deep breath And keep your mind off death And allow those keep you strong To come along To come along To come along But don't you fret anymore And soon they'll see you However you want them to on a rent Whatever they're looking through Screen calls or radio So follow your hope And keep your head down low Your mind shallow and you might just move along. Just move along. Follow your Organist Tom Bell visited the island in March to perform an immersive Victorian organ recital, complete with readings and costume. Now, you might not think that such music would work well with beatboxing, but Tom is here to tell us otherwise. First, what's so different about a Victorian organ recital? It, it's all tied in with technological developments um, and the fact that you went from the organ being this little sort of chamber instrument that made a nice little sound in the corner to being something that could fill the Albert Hall um, with torrents and torrents of noises or St Paul's Cathedral or whatever, but also a place like Trinity Methodist in Douglas where the organ makes this huge noise for its its size and it's all to do with the technological developments. And alongside that, uh, people in the UK suddenly developed discovered music by composers like Bach. If you go back to the 18th century, Bach was writing for organs uh, where he lived in central Germany that had pedals you could play with your feet. And so he wrote for that and um, got the most out of it he possibly could, writing really difficult parts of the feet and so on and so forth. Now, in England, they simply couldn't do that because the organs didn't have pedals. 
And they started to come in in the 19th century. And people were amazed by this and wowed by it. And all of a sudden, local corporations and city councils were building these enormous uh, civic spaces like St George's Hall in Liverpool, right opposite Lime Street Station. It's one of the most amazing buildings. And in it is a huge organ. And in several of these other types of buildings, like the Albert Hall, there are these enormous organs. And they just made this extraordinary sound. And on it was played music which people had never heard before, like Bach or pieces for orchestra, which were transcribed to the organ. And there's a kind of sort of almost a it's a slightly Victorian and paternalistic, but there's a uh, there's a sort of social social action angle on this in, in a way. So the, the Victorians decided they wanted to provide something. You know, the, the 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 city fathers decided they wanted to provide something for everybody, uh, and so. Uh, Obviously, it'd be rather expensive to have an orchestra uh, to provide music for people to go to. So what you could do is build an organ that was big enough for an organist to play the orchestral music on the organ. So what happened in Liverpool, for example, is you had all the the hoity-toity people up at the Philharmonic Hall would go to their big, expensive orchestral concert, and the city organist would play exactly the same music, transcribed for organ only, which is like an amazing feat anyway, uh, down down the road for like half a penny, and anybody could come, and people did. Three concerts a week thousands of people there it's just a completely different world totally different world so i wanted i want i wanted to explore how these organs were played and the sort of music that was played on them because it's a long time ago worthy revisiting sorry that was too much wasn't it not at all no <laughs> I, I mean yeah on spotlight we love the nitty gritty we love the detail of uh how things work and why people love what they do so no go to town friend um and in order in order to do that in order to explore that and to create this immersive experience you're you, you've put together a program inspired by the work of wt best tell us a little bit about him okay so uh he was the doyen of the victorian concert organist um absolutely legendary in his time time uh he had a repertoire of something like five thousand pieces which i can't quite get my head around he's the guy that was organist at st george's hall in liverpool from the mid-1850s until he retired at the end of the 19th century uh so that whole period um the victorian period after you know from the about the mid 19th century when people had started playing things like bach um to the end he bridges all of that and he transcribed all these orchestral works for for organ It's, it's difficult to play um, it's crazy, and he edited Bach's music and all the rest of it. So uh, he'd be the person to look at first if you were going to go and examine the Victorian concert organist and that sort of tradition. So that's where the, that's the starting point. And he left behind, um, from a geeky perspective, again, he left behind editions and arrangements of music where he tells you everything he wants. He tells you what speed he wants it to go at. He tells you what sounds he wants the organist to use. He tells you which fingers and feet to use where. So you get the the actual, whether it's legato or staccato, all of that is there on the page. There's this enormous detail. So it's this historical record of how he played. And then if you read accounts of his concerts and compare what's described with what he left on his music it, it matches up so it's clearly representative of what he did so again maybe that's geeky but it's a, it's a great place to go and go and start uh, to explore this this victorian style of playing because i can sit on a victorian organ like the one at trinity methodist and i can play it like somebody might have done in the 1880s or whatever do you ever disagree with his micromanaging instructions <laughs> it screws your head up slightly when you're playing stuff like um, Bach, where you spend, generally speaking, as a musician, you spend quite a lot of time trying to think how a central German organist or violinist or whatever or singer would perform in in the mid-18th century, to then suddenly take that same music and have to think about how somebody might play it in the mid-19th century. I mean, it sounds like I'm splitting hairs, but there's a massive difference um, in terms of speed, in terms of style, so on and so forth. It, you know, you, I could play the same piece twice in a sort of Bach style from the 18th century and then in a Victorian style and it would sound really quite different. Mm-hmm. Do you so have a it, preference? <laughs> well you know what the thing with the beauty of being an organist is that every organ is different and so if I was sat in Germany playing an 18th century instrument that Bach might have played which I'm going to do next month I'm going to be over uh, well coronavirus permitting going to be over playing uh, in Germany on, on a Bach organ on that instrument I, I want to try and recapture um what it was that Bach did uh, and to really connect with that playing a Victorian organ like Trinity Methodist or wherever um, I, I want to try and connect with what a 19th century organist w- w- would have done and how, how that organ would have been played and how it would have been heard well Tom it's been so lovely to find out about you and your work thank you very much for joining us cheers
Just a few days before we went into lockdown, Aaron Ibanez brought us a rather poignant interview with musician Erland Cooper. In light of the virus outbreak, music, or indeed a creative escape, as well as the role of community, may now be more vital than ever. And a man whose musical project champions this is Erland Cooper, a Scottish multi-instrumentalist who captures the rhythms, the folklore, and the elements of his Orkney Islands. Orkney is, like many islands, a place of rich community, and it's the people that work together on the island that, that, that make it so, so, so self-sufficient. But Orkney can be anything you want it to be. And I think that's what I was trying to say. That's what all I'm trying to do in this music. Whether you go to Orkney or not, whether you go doesn't really matter, or whether you go there physically on a boat. I think it's about escaping or being transported to another place. That could be the Isle of Man. That could be the Silly Isles. That could be anywhere. It could be, you know, the Norfolk coast. What I realise I'm doing for me is it's my Orkney at that time. I'm evoking memories, childhood memories, good and bad. I don't think it's homesickness. I think it's a feeling of trying to be transported to a place for as long as I want to be that brings up all those feelings of childhood memory, perhaps a moment of innocence, perhaps a moment of where you didn't quite think as much. Absolutely. I mean, it's an incredibly accessible soundscape that you sort of, you know, play to people. Um, and you talk about the spirit of the people and, and the self-sufficiency of the community. Um, but of course, mm. a, a, a big part of the music is, of course, the natural world, I guess, as a muse and mm. as an actual player in, in, your, in your score, if you like, of Orkney. And I mean, when did that relationship with the natural world for you begin? Yeah, as, as I've said, so if you folks just walk in the shore with my folks, or with my dad and my brothers and my siblings, and just, you know, a stone's throw from the door and spotting gannets, you don't quite realise it at the time how lucky you are. You're surrounded by tumultuous elements today. And actually, that's pretty amazing, really. You know, it's, it's, it, it, can, it can be something to you. For me, I realised that and only really realising it lately, I would say, since starting this collection of records, is that nature is the one true reset for me. But taking that further, I think it's the sea in particular. It's the horizon. I mean, I would classify this music as alternative, where others would put it in, in, in a genre. I would call it an ecosystem. There's an ecosystem of music that gives you space to reflect. That to some people, that type of music allows them to reflect, allows them to release, allows them to think. And for me, that music does as well, but it's, the, it's actually just being in and around the natural world, the elements. It just does something to me, whether it's primal, whether it's just a reset, whether it's a disconnect from technology. You know, I don't know, it, but for me, I've noticed that's the one thing that will just sort me out. You know, my folks were teachers in the school and all my mates were playing football, I think I told you, and I would break into the school with my dad's key to use the music room <laughs> and um, escape um, from whatever I was thinking about. Um, I didn't find any like-minded folk that did the same Having been inspired by the birds and the sea for his first two records, Erland has released a new single called Long Hope from his upcoming album Heather Bleather, due for release on the 29th of May 2020 via Phases Records. Song titles are taken from local dialect and nod to the places and stories of the island as well as the people themselves. And I'm delighted to bring to you that first single. And so here it is, Long Hope. Well, I was born in 1899. Yeah. That's in the information. Yes, that's fine. That's enough. Like and I'll tell you one thing to begin with. She used to buy the crea and crea and strongness. And the fourth thing you draw when I threw it at the door. So the next day I went to and the dogs ready for the father. <laughs> <laughs> 
But she get their host to keep host to a man that was been in the asylum. And that was when she was 15. Great job to think about it. Was that somebody who lived near, near the home? Near mm-hmm, the mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did she stay at home and just go and work? No, 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 no. She stayed there. She was there for the old wife died. The old wife died when she was there. And she just stayed on to keep host to him. And then her sister got there and left her. And she got to cry then. And that was a firm servant? Mm-hmm, firm servant. And what kind of jobs were they expected to do as a firm servant? Oh, just to make sure they feed the guy and clean the wire. I don't know if it's part of but I know when I was a servant, I had to put up the door. I had the door. I was in the last one. We had a land here this one. But it was just a common one. Uh-huh. Yeah. She yeah. Orkney composer Erlen Cooper there with his new single, Long Hope. Talk about taking you on a journey. On our first programme post-lockdown, back in July... We heard Andy Wint talking to the great and the good who'd gathered at the Gaiety Theatre to celebrate the theatre's 120th anniversary. So here he is, I'll hand you back in time to the man himself, Andy Wint, at the Gaiety Theatre. Frank, here we are live at the Gaiety Theatre. It's 120 years old today and we keep on talking about Frank Matcham. Francis Matcham was born on the 22nd of November 1854. He died on the 17th of May 1920, just over 100 years ago. He designed hundreds of darn theatres all over the place. Um, The most notable ones, well, the most notable one to us is the Gaiety Theatre, but he was also the man behind uh, the Hackney Empire in London, the Colosseum, the Palladium, the Victoria Palace, and the Grand Theatre in uh, Blackpool as well, and also the Tower Ballroom at Blackpool Tower. So, uh, of course, he knows of what he speaks, and that's why we have a Rolls-Royce a Bentley indeed, a Maserati, a De Tommaso uh, of theatres on the uh, Douglas Promenade and there simply is one person uh, without whom this place just wouldn't, uh, wouldn't be here. Um, a man who, uh, man and boy, physically climbed in skips the length and breadth of Britain to architecturally salvage pieces that would end up at the Gaiety Theatre. Uh, a man, if you take every brick out of this building, it's probably got Mervyn Russell Stokes written on the top. 
Mervyn, just sum up how you're feeling today. Humble. Humble. It's been a lifetime's work, and it's something which is so important for this island, so important mm. for theatre, so important for Frank Matcham. Matcham, um, the centenary of his death a couple of months ago as well, and 120 years ago, this flipping place was coming alive. And here we are now, so much has not stood the test of time. And on Douglas Promenade, we have an iconic architectural icon. We have a performing arts space, and we have uh, a resource for people on the Isle of Man. It was your fault. <laughs> you, um, when did you decide, when did you come to the conclusion this patient could be revived? It's strange, really. When I, when I first came here, uh, Frank Matcham wasn't recognised. It was in the late 60s, early 70s. And uh, nobody knew him, really. I mean, I didn't know he built this place at all. And it was only by research um, we discovered what he had done. It was only by research we discovered that he had built things like the London Palladium, the London Colosseum, um, and that he was prolific. And when we looked into what had actually disappeared, we discovered most of it had gone. Um, this one can only be spoken of in superlatives. It's the only theatre in Great Britain that has never been redecorated. Um, it's lucky, I mean, I've managed to go right the way back to the very beginning. On opening night, there was a young man here called Fred Bowell. And Freddie was quite young, and he was employed to run around the theatre and um, be a callboy and a general dog's body. Freddie, as many did in those days, joined the Lancashire Regiment. Uh, sorry, the Liverpool Regiment um, before the outbreak of the First World War. And he then came back here and became the second manager of the Gaiety until 1932, when he became a director for the Palace in Derby Castle and was responsible for all the theatres and cinemas in the island. And he, he uh, retired in the late 60s, and he still used to come right up until the 90s to the Gaiety. He had his own seat down at the front there. And we used to totter down together because he was quite feeble by then. <clears throat> and he always used to grab my arm and say, before I went to war, I got a ladder and went up and signed my name on that ceiling before I went away in case I didn't come back. And I used to think, yes, Fred, it's 60 feet high. Yes. <laughs> However, when we did, for the first time in many years, uh, scaffold the theatre to restore the, the ceiling. Um, the first thing I saw was Fred Barber, March the 20th, 1914, which was quite incredible. And he saw the whole of the theatre's history right through from its first night until the late 90s. Just tell Mervyn, why did you insist on authenticity? Why did you never compromise? because there could be no compromise. You can go to other Matcham theatres, and they're beautiful, you know, they're lovely, but they're not original. They've been redecorated, they've been repainted. Um, you know, the carpets are exactly as they were now. The wallpaper's exactly as they were. This is the only really authentic Matcham theatre left in Great Britain. And that is why it's so important. That's why it should be better known. And that's why we must guard it very carefully so that in the future well-intentioned but wrong improvements are made it must be always done as it should be in 1900 and we can do that if we all work together thanks for being with us today and the Thank island you. owes you an immense debt of gratitude um, the the world of the arts um, I just can't believe he didn't know it was Frank Matcham when he came. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't even heard he of, really. No. He'd gone, he'd died in It was all about brutalist structures back in the 60s, wasn't yes, it? Yes, I mean, he's only been dead 50 years, yeah, really. You know, Mervyn, thanks so much. Thanks for being with us today. Great pleasure. Good to Thank talk you. to you. Thank, Thank you. you. And on Douglas Promenade, the iconic Frank Matcham Gaiety Theatre is 120 years old today, and they're celebrating it on stage. We're just in one of the posh boxes uh, off stage, And I'm talking to um, uh, Derek Kay. 
Hibbert, who is uh, one of the, you're one of the tour guides, aren't you, Derek? I am indeed, sir. And yes. you've been involved with the Gaiety how long? 31 years. Good grief. And the first time you ever set foot in this place was when? 1961, August, when I was a teenager. <laughs> As a tourist, presumably. Oh, yes, just on a holiday with my mum and dad. This is a fascinating place. Tell us all about the traps and underneath. Oh, yes, the, the traps are the, uh, the finest ones that you can see anywhere. Uh, they're not all original, fair enough, uh, but they've been brought in by theatres which were demolished or modernised, as they call it, mm. and we actually saved them and had them fitted up in here, so we got a complete full set. Of there was literally some theatrical skip diving, wasn't there? Oh, definitely, definitely, yes. Or shall we call it architectural salvage? Yes, uh, generosity of managers to make sure that it came here rather than the skip, yes. And that's really, the, the, the Gaiety Theatre is a compendium of theatres here, there and everywhere that were under threat, that were rescued by the team involved in the restoration of the Gaiety. Oh, definitely so, yes. I mean, tremendous support from the government officers of the time and uh, also led by Mervyn Stokes internally. You know, it's, you know, you just can't fault it, you know, what's been done. Uh, what's your favourite part of the theatre? Uh, the fascinating part is understage, but the whole theatre is my home, as I call it. I just love this place now. Gaiety Theatre has a full set of working Victorian stage traps, is that right? Oh, yes, 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 and including that we can fly things in as well from the top, so you can have ghosts coming in from the side, from the top, from underneath, you, wherever you like. We can do it. Good to talk to you, Derek. Thanks for being with us today. It's been a pleasure to talk to you, Andy. And uh, look who's here. <laughs> Hello, I'm Olga Gray. I've been performing since I was 15 years old. Once you put your foot on this magical stage in this beautiful theatre, you'll never forget it. I have to tell you, Olga, yesterday we were coming down doing some preparation for the outside broadcast and I stood on the stage. It's transcendental, isn't it? Absolutely. It takes you into another world and you look out at the auditorium and you think, wow. 120 years people have been doing that. And it's, it's amazing. It's, it, when we bring visiting teams over for the Easter Festival of Plays, Every one of them stand on that stage in awe, truly. Over lockdown, professional Manx performer and teacher Jonathan Io collaborated with a dear friend and colleague to produce a charity single in honour of key workers, featuring performers from across the UK who at the time were still in lockdown, many of whom were unable to work. We wrote everything um, over FaceTime and Zoom um, uh, with people recording different sections of the song and and. And we just tried to, we spoke every day, coffee via Zoom, basically, every day. It started off with his, his idea, he had a, a little hook in his head and he'd, he, put it, he put, it, um, put it down on the computer, music recorded it, and then we built on that together, basically. He, he, he started, he has all the music stuff down there, um, lyrics, then we helped each other. Uh, and once we finally got a basic kind of structure, we then, the hard work then had to begin by incorporating all our friends and, and colleagues and people that were up for doing it, basically. Tell me a little bit about the lyrics that you chose, um, because they're really quite powerful. Yes, we, um, when, when the Queen addressed the nation, uh, thanking the NHS uh, and all the care workers, I don't, don't know if you remember, she drew on memories of her childhood, like in her first broadcast, um, and she said, we will be with our friends again, we will be with our families again, we will meet again. And we decided to use those specific words, we will meet again, which also was the, um, lifted from the title lyric of Dame Vera Lynn's song, We'll Meet Again. Um, and we decided um, to have that kind of feeling of togetherness, um, hence the word forever, um, and we will meet again. Um, and uh, there's a guy called Lin-Manuel Miranda. I don't know if people will know him, but he wrote Hamilton. I don't know if you've seen that, Sarah, but it, he, um, he did a speech in 2016, which was... Um, for theatre makers and, and marginalised groups. It was like a, a rallying call to arms. So we all stand together, fight for equality, which at the moment is big, spread positivity. So we thought at this time, what better time to write this song for NHS and for theatre with the words love is love and forever. And that's how it was born, really. Forever grateful, forever true, forever thankful, forever you Forever patient, forever fair, forever gracious, forever there for forever.
promises we give to you, our promises we'll keep to you forever. beginning of August, we met Kat Jenkins and John from the project The Other Island, which began last September, which they were hoping would shine a light on what life can be like when coping with often invisible difficulties, such as poverty, isolation, addiction, mental or physical health issues, homelessness or discrimination, and to help those people who are often unheard to find their voices. Well, one such person who has certainly found his voice is John. I've never written anything before in my life. Even my invoices and quotes go out by my wife. I just jot it down in rough, you know, baby language sort of thing, and she does it. And they just asked me to do uh, one of I think what was it? I remember, wasn't it? I remember. I remember, and I did that, and a couple of them were amazed about it. Can't and stop it just, you now. <laughs> it just come it's off. Brilliant. No, you just said just think what I could remember, and that's how it kicked off. I remember my first day at school and the anxiety I felt at having to be separated from my sister, leaving her at home unprotected. I remember the mixed emotions as my mother and father remarried, fearful and worried for the future. I remember the day I left school feeling uncertain as to what my future would hold and the lack of security ahead. I remember getting my first wage packet and feeling proud and independent. I remember the excitement of meeting and taking my first girlfriend out, who later became my wife. I remember my children being born, pride, joy and happiness, my family, my hope. 
I remember my world starting to unravel as depression and addiction crept up and took control. I remember my problems building and taking over and the feelings of despair and being unable to cope. I remember the feelings of hope starting to appear as the light began to shine through the cracks of despair. I remember always being grateful to Dat for putting me on the road to recovery. I remember Smart every day for the support they gave me and for keeping me on track. I remember there is another life beyond the wall of despair. It's called hope and it comes in many forms. I remember that hope for me is letting go of the past, dealing with the present, looking to the future. I remember how far I've come on this journey. I remember others and the need to share my story. I remember that we all need help and encouragement at some time and that Smart is here for all whenever we need. Yeah, you hear it in a different way, you don't can, you? Yeah, it's the first time anyone's done that. Yeah, oh, it's really, really? yeah I've never heard it before. It's really good, yeah. It doesn't sound like more. I... You wouldn't think I'd vote that. <laughs> Janet um, Lees was leading the a lot of the writing parts, wasn't she? Yeah. Um, Varro did some, but... Um, Janet led most of them, and she had this amazing array of prompts to help us get into um, the creative process and and start to write things. And I remember it was one of one of the best. I think yeah. really good. Yeah. Part of the point of the other island was to try and get um, the rest of the world to understand something of the life of people that have got certain struggles, um, because sometimes people can be dismissive. They can say we've brought it all on ourselves. Um, there's a sort of othering that goes on. P- people look at look at someone who's marginalised or struggling and say, well, I'm not like them, um, and it must somehow be their fault. And I wondered, because we were such a mixed bag of people, we'd had, we had people who had experience of homelessness, of addiction, of various different mental health challenges and physical health challenges, whether we would find that same othering going on within the group, people looking at someone else and going, well, I'm not as bad as you, or... I don't understand. And actually, people were really generous and supportive, weren't they? Um, It was lovely to see how um, people encouraged each other along and um, took time to go off into pairs and share bits of their stories. Um, There was a lot of laughing, wasn't there? There was a lot of laughter. It was great. We used the um, upstairs rooms of Trinity Church Hall. And um, I came in and Richard Hall, our minister, was downstairs. He said, have you got a record player on upstairs? I said, I don't think so. Potted upstairs. And then the grand piano in the corner was Damien, um, who had just sat down at it and started tinkling away. And this beautiful music was cascading down the stairs, all these notes tumbling down the steps. And um, who'd have known that he had that talent in there? Here's a treat. Turning Glass is a collaboration born from lockdown between Jackie Morrie Grace and musician Joe Thorne, which I really hope will continue. I'd love to hear more work from them. This piece is called The Wildness of Birds. Sweetest things you ever seen One took half my soul and ate it up The other kept his half a dream No one ever thought to say Dreams are not for us to hold That's some giddy madness, don't you think? That reality would be so bold The envy eats what's left of me Which isn't much perhaps to shadow On the floor a vaporous kiss From tongue-tied lips a diamond's touch I wish my second raven hadn't been so swift to rupture miss it Now I'm too ashamed to mention Now I'm too ashamed to mention My love, my love My soul 
soul is empty for an answer and able to be seen. I cannot bear this dim, it's stumbling. I am so weak. Waste in the street with scribbled vision, pricked out with claws, and the wildness of it all. I wish I had enough for kids or keeps it never cheap. The wit and fashion from his tongue string our worlds like pearls of song, perhaps. The intrigue of his mind, though his claws prick mine. It's where I'd lay my crown of pearls to die It's where I'd lay my crown of pearls to die But he's a thief, he is not mine But he's a thief, he is not mine But he's a thief I'm inside out chomping at the bit So many questions in my head Ruining every bit of it I'm blitzed and I'm mixed And I'm ready to admit my addiction to your rhythm It defines my new religion And figuratively speaking I'm overheating, bulldozing through my tension Supernova on your medication Really just a heathen eating treason from your eating I'm the feeling that you're falling when you're dreaming I don't mean to injure I just need you to be my muse You're for me and I'm for you You put the ooh into my groove You're the heartbeat of my chew I'm the missing part in a loop of you We're the two halves of the moon I'm a falling star falling for you You're a tune that I learn I'll ruin if you hurt me Open your lotus with a crowbar to show this Love is a mysterious voyage through oceans That flow through the folds like delirious love potions They mold us, they hold us, they told us we'd heal But here we are here and we're still not quite near But I've a feeling we're nearing the meaning of being On the surface of these words and these verses I'm bleeding And I'm the queen of your sound, I'm the dream that you're craving I'm the brightest beam of the luminous sheen of your ocean I'm your deepest dark creature, your madness, your sea star I'm right here to show you, I'll be your harbour, I'll be your shutter I'm your brother, your sister, the one you love more than the sea Without me you'll drag your feet on eternity's breeze This song only an echo to worship your needs But if you hurt me you'll drift and you'll never be free If you hurt me you'll drift and you'll never be free You'll never be free. You'll never be free. And now we finish our reflection on the year just gone with a whistle-stop tour of some of the island's most beautiful and iconic locations with local composer Tim Price, whose seven-part orchestral suite, Gem of God's Earth, premiered in November. Here he is telling me about the movement inspired by the chasms, where the initial pattern of notes come from the word chasms. That's one of my kind of slightly experimental ideas, partly through the time I spent at university through various different points in classical music history, different composers have taken advantage of the idea that notes are sort of named after different letters, um, and they've kind of used those two, those sort of letters, A, A to G, um, to kind of, sort of taking the notes that are the same as those letters, um, to sort of use, to sort of um, turn words mm-hmm. into musical ideas, so bark, um, Bark had an advantage because in the German system, note B natural is actually H. So he could use all four of his letters in his surname and he was able to sort of do fugues and things like that on those notes. But I wanted to sort of push it further and sort of give every letter an equivalent so that I could turn all sorts of different words or phrases into either into ideas or groups of notes that I could do different things with. So yeah, with the chasms, um, my system, I think that was... C, B flat, A, 
G A G. So it's like this dun 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 pattern. Um, and I've got that running more or less through most of the piece in some form. And that's it for Spotlight this year. If you missed anything, the full Spotlight review of the year is now available as a podcast on the Manx Radio website. Thank you to everyone we've spoken to this year. It has been a strange year and I really believe that creativity has helped us so much through these difficult times. I can't wait to see what creative wonders you share with us in the new year. We're back on January the 14th. So for now, Nolik Gennel as Blair by Norm.